We'll get into the specifics of that. BYU coming off a one-point loss to the Utah Utes in another classic in that rivalry showdown. We are broadcasting on multiple platforms, ESPN 960, Facebook Live, BYU Cougars on Periscope, and on Twitter. Basically, you have no excuse not to listen to the coordinator's corner. Also, use the hashtag BYUCC to send in your questions on social media for the coaches today, Ed Lamb and Eliza Tuiaki in the second half hour. We also have uh, a bunch of talking points, trivia questions for those that are on location, uh, eating and uh, joining us here at JCW's. But uh, first of all, let's welcome in Coach Ed Lamb. Coach, uh, it's been an interesting weekend for sure. How are your emotions right now? Well, you know, really, Monday's cathartic for the whole team, uh, coaches included. We have our first uh, our first meeting with the players at 7:30 on Monday mornings, and we go through the the highs and lows of the previous game and recognize the great efforts. And there's always, you know, regardless of the outcome, final outcome of a game, there are always great efforts to recognize, and there are always corrections to be made. And so we, um, as as we got through that today in the morning meeting. Um, I think it was good for the players, good for the coaches, and now we've really moved on largely toward UCLA. Coming off of a, a loss like that, I know that obviously this is an intense rivalry, and to come down to a two-point conversion and have a chance to win that game on one play, what was, I think everyone wants to know, what was the ideology going into that final drive and that decision to go for two at the last minute? Yeah, uh, Coach Sataki had made the decision to go for two before the drive ever started. And, uh, in fact, he, he rallied up the offensive huddle and the offensive coaches, and he said, hey, we're scoring right here, and we are going for two, and we're walking out of here with the win on this drive. And so I think that showed a tremendous amount of confidence in in uh, the, the offensive staff, the offensive players. I, fe- I think they fed off that confidence. I think that was part of, uh, part of the reason that they were able to go down very confidently, put the ball in the in- end zone. And, you know, whether it works or not is not – it's not really – that's not the analysis. Uh, I think our players enjoyed that type of attack mentality. Sometimes uh, it would have worked. Sometimes it wouldn't have. And, and by the way, I've been on the other end where, you know, sometimes fans will say, well, you should just, you know, kick, take taking that point and went to overtime. Well, you know, I've made that decision before, and we missed the extra point. It's not automatic. And so we took our chance to win. Our players are, are good with that. Our coaches are good with that, and we're moving on. I think the percentages uh, in the NFL and in college football in terms of your chance to win, whether you go for two late or go to overtime to kick the extra point, it's not that far off. I want to say something like 51% to 45% if you, if you opt to go for two. So when you look at the percentages, it really isn't that much different. That said, the play call you put in, every play is designed to succeed. So where was the breakdown on that last play? Yeah, well, good question. I'll go. I'll go back just a little bit. I think the most important thing is that, that this becomes Coach Sataki's team culturally, and I think he sent a clear message that you know when when Utah kind of passed on the opportunity to go forward on fourth and one and left the window open for us, he sent a clear message that this game and next year and during the time he's going to be the coach here, we're going to be aggressive, and I think our team will rally around that, and and over time those those will pay off more often than not. As far as the play itself it was, it was an excellent play call. I really loved the idea of putting it in Taysom's hands um, we had a, a blitz which we anticipated um, so Taysom had basically one unblocked player off the edge that he had to beat he did end up uh, beating that that one player and he he broke free and got to about the, the two yard line but uh, some of our uh, route runners actually ended up over on the same side that he was trying to attack and then so Utah's coverage players were able to come out of coverage and help on help on Taysom and so you know the the, uh, the execution of that play uh, 
could have been better and we could have ran the same play against the same defense to success. But, you know, credit Utah for being alert and uh, for their first couple of guys of slowing Taysom down and then the, the guys that came out of coverage for making the play. Both defenses trading blows throughout the game. Uh, the BYU defense only surrendered 13 points. I mean, you can't really count the opening play pick six as going against the BYU defense. Yeah. You force six turnovers as well. You choose. What was the most impressive thing that you saw from your defense between turnovers and only allowing 13 points at Utah and, and all of that? Yeah. It, for our guys, it's effort. And that's, um, you know, that I think effort of BYU defense goes back a lot of years uh, to, to times when I was a player and, and um, you know, and, and was very aware that regardless of the score, we were going to win some games 50-something to 50-something, and, and we were going to win some games, low-scoring games, but the effort would always be there and never give up, never say die attitude. And, and these guys have, you know, I think they had that before the time I was here and, and when I haven't been here, and they still have it, and I'm, it's an honor to be a part of it. Coordinator's Corner brought to you by Legend Solar, title sponsor, as well as on location at JCW's. We are with Ed Lamb, special teams coordinator, assistant head coach for BYU football. Use the hashtag BYUCC to join our conversation today. Okay, Ed, six turnovers plus three in the turnover margin. And when you look at the statistics, if BYU is positive or even, I think in most games, 80% or, some, or something like that, but especially against Utah, it is almost an automatic that you win this game. So why did it play out that way? The BYU was plus three, but still on the, the opposite end. Yeah, well, you know, we, we turned the ball over ourselves. And, and so, you know, when we had a high number of turnovers but, or takeaways, but we also gave up a higher number of turnovers than we're used to. And so some of our advantage was negated there. And then it's really, you know, you've heard maybe people refer to it before, coaches refer to it. Uh, takeaways and turnovers is certainly a huge part of the game, but points off of takeaways and turnovers is also a big part. And, and so we, we didn't we didn't execute to the point where we were able to take advantage of that. We flipped the field a few times. It helped us out with field position and opportunities to win late, but just didn't get it done. Correct me if I'm wrong. The first first down that BYU records is on a fake field goal from Mitchell Jurgens to Corbin Kafusi. Yeah. Uh, what, how long has that been in the playbook, and, and when did you decide to, to roll out that play? Oh, we, we've had, you know, we have a few that are always on the ready. That one happened to be in since the very first day that we installed field goal, sometime around the, the second or third day of a training camp. And then early in the week, and we'll do it this week with UCLA, we always look at, okay, which of our fake punts, field goals, trick plays on offense, blitzes on defense, which of them are, or have a chance to be there this week. And so we got the look that we were looking for. Um, uh, Jurgens Mitch made a great decision uh, delivered a great ball and uh, Corbin credit Corbin those those routes out in the flat the ball takes a long time to get there because you're running away from the ball so the tendency is to to want to turn your head and and get up the field and run for extra yardage before making the catch but he focused he made the catch and it was a big play for us is he lobbying to play tight end at all after that <laughs> you know I, I think his his play speaks for itself I mean he's been he's been such a pleasant surprise on defense with how quickly he's gotten back into football shape and and how physical he is and he certainly could be a weapon as a tight end as well in this game I think it's becoming the norm to expect the unexpected and uh, I've listed off some things that happened that I just thought were weird I mean nine combined turnovers a pick six, first play of the game, two ejections on back-to-back -back plays, the successful fake field goal that we just brought up, a Tanner Mangum unsportsmanlike conduct mm -hmm. penalty, which I don't think any BYU fan ever anticipated in the history of Tanner Mangum playing at BYU, and a two-point conversion try to try and win the game. What was the strangest thing you saw on Saturday night? 
Oh, all those, all those were really strange. Maybe uh, it was Louis Lapuaho lumbering yeah. down the sideline yeah. after a pass got batted up and he caught. It. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That, that yeah, a, a good suggestion. He saved me on that. I was drawing drawing a blank in terms of picking all those good ones, but certainly yeah, Louis. And and it was surprising to see how well he moved. Yeah. You know, he's been he's been kind of nursing some soreness in his leg, and he picked up his knees and got after it. Good ball security. It was pretty good. Pretty good look by him. Let's talk about the ejections now, and I know this has become like a national topic for a lot of guys who are watching. I know the Fox Sports analysts and the play-by-play -play man, Gus Johnson, were very outspoken about they thought it was the wrong decision yeah. to take Kai out of the game yeah. because of the replays and how that all went down. How did you see that play develop, and, and why do you think ultimately it was determined how it was determined? Well, it, it, I think the context is, is really important. The thing that probably most uh, people who were watching it on television or watching the game from the stands didn't realize is that the conversation was never about targeting uh, with the officials anyway, and they were never looking at targeting because the first thing that they had applied was a defenseless player rule. And so once that, once that receiver was deemed a defenseless player, then really any contact, whether it was with the helmet or the shoulder or the forearm or, or something like that, would have been considered targeting. So... You know, I, I, I wish that the it would not have been applied as a defenseless player. I thought Utah's player reached back and caught the ball and then turned up the field and lowered his pad level, and so that makes it incredibly difficult to coach the defender. But uh, because it was determined that it was a defenseless player, then, then certainly the contact could was targeting. I think it was correctly applied in, in that case. Now, we learned this morning that is an, it's an NCAA rule that when the reviewing official – makes a call after the play that it stands and there there is no appeal process and so right. Kainakua and Austin McChesney have to sit out the first half of the UCLA game. Yeah. I know that you can't change anything right now, but moving forward, what would you like to see happen in those circumstances? Well, I I'd like to see the the rule itself. You know, I think I think the officials are doing a tremendous job. I mean, players, coaches, we all make mistakes during the games, and and uh, the fact that there is the opportunity to take it to the replay booth, I think the rule yeah, itself is is really, you know, the the fact that um, uh, an offensive player can square up and go low, and and the defenseless the the defender in that case is is basically got to take the charge like it's basketball or something and and the defender should have a right to to protect himself and as long as he keeps his head out of the contact i think but but that's a rules issue not that's not being critical of the officials i've spent time with officials at their summer trainings and and what they go through is uh incredible and they're graded and the bottom 10 percent of officials are degraded are downgraded to a, a lower conference and the top officials get moved up to the nfl so there's no question they have a high high motivation to get things right it's relegation like yeah. uh, european soccer that's full e on that's exactly what it is and i've seen it happen firsthand with officials that i that i know and and like and appreciate and so it's you know there's once you kind of see that um firsthand there's there's no question in your mind that those officials are highly motivated ed lamb assistant head coach byu football special teams coordinator also works uh, with the safeties is with us on coordinators corner we'll take a short break on ESPN 960, also broadcasting on BYU Cougars via Facebook and Twitter. Join us with your questions using the hashtag BYUCC. We'll be back with more Coordinator's Corner brought to you by Legend Solar. Keep it here. Hey, this is Chris. The Coordinator's Corner is powered by Legend Solar. Online at legendsolar.com. Let's get back out to the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, at JCW's on ESPN 960 and the new skin Cougar IMG Sports Network. Sitting in for... Go ahead. 
Sitting in for Greg Rebell, I am Spencer Linton with Ed Lamb, coach of the BYU special teams, assistant head coach of BYU football, and working with the safeties. We're talking about BYU-Utah. We'll also spin things forward to this weekend's matchup against the Bruins of UCLA, who will enter Lavelle Edwards Stadium with a record of 1-1. One and one. Some of you may remember the last time B BYU and UCLA met in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. It was not close. We'll leave it at that. Okay, Coach, now back to the conversation here. Uh, a few more things following up with this BYU-Utah game. Did you learn something from your team that, in a way, makes you feel encouraged? Because, I don't know, and maybe this is just me speaking, but from interactions I had with fans and with players and coaches, while it's disappointing to lose in that moment, and in a way it's crushing, I just felt like there, there was more encouragement and optimism coming from the players. How did you feel after that? Yeah, you know, I think this has got to, over time, this has got to be um, Coach Sataki's culture, Coach Sataki's team, and to see – to see things start off, first play, uh, interception, go back the other way, minus seven, and, and kind of have a continuation of, of the first quarter of the last time BYU and Utah met in the Las Vegas Bowl. But, but nobody, nobody blinked an eye. The team remained loose, confident, and, uh, and fought till the very end. And so I think you know, that's, that's what's going to pay dividends over time is uh, staff that's confident in, their, in the players, players that know that the staff is confident in them and they'll play as aggressively as they can. That's the thing that I took away from the game. I was really pleased with the effort overall. Ed Lamb with us on Coordinator's Corner. Now let's flip the page and look at the UCLA Bruins. We're talking about one of the top-tier quarterbacks in the entire country. A lot of NFL projections have him going as the top quarterback in 2018's NFL draft. How do you game plan for a guy that, and you use the words loose and confident to explain your guys, he is that and more. How do you game plan for Josh Rosen? Well, same, same idea. We're going to challenge our players to challenge him, and uh, we're going to play our mix of man-to-man -man coverage and zone coverage and not back down to, to anybody. Uh, we have to be particularly aware that um, it, when, when you want to compete and beat a team, you have to attack their strengths, and you can't shy away from their strengths. So we have to put pressure on him. We have to keep uh, eyes on him, and uh, we have to make sure that receivers are tightly covered. This question in uh, via Twitter, how does BYU plan to defend Josh Rosen with no Kainakua in the first half? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, well, the plan is not uh, Kainakua, right? And the plan is not any individual player. The plan is to, to be aggressive and to cover receivers tightly. We have a depth chart. Uh, second on that depth chart is uh, Matt Hadley. Matt has played uh, spectacularly when he's been in. He's been coming in regularly for Kai. I feel like we have a backup to Matt Hadley as well and Zane Anderson. Those guys are making plays. Both of those guys are making a ton of plays on special teams. The hardest thing in football is to run 40-plus yards down the field and tackle a guy with the ball. And uh, those guys do that regularly. They're, they're more than capable of coming in. And, and Kai, we will miss Kai. He leaves a strong legacy, and we're going to miss him for a half. But, uh, you know, he, he has taught the other guys how to play, and they'll play well. Troy Warner did not play in Saturday's game against Utah. Do we anticipate seeing him play against UCLA this Saturday? Yes, yeah, we anticipate him getting a full uh, good week of practice in and being ready to go. In terms of other personnel missing on the defensive side of the ball, Travis Tuiloma is a guy that – and the coaches have not skirted around this. He's a huge part of that BYU defense and uh, an anchor in a lot of ways. Any update as to when he might be available and coming back? I've heard everything from, you know, 
at the beginning of the season it was four to six weeks. Yeah, and I, and I think that the last that I've seen on the injury report is just he's continues to be day-to-day and uh you know I, I think some of the other coaches may pay more attention to that stuff uh, you know about when when guys are coming back he's not he doesn't specifically play one of the positions that i work with the depth chart on and so i don't know exactly when he's coming back but my understanding is that we've been hopeful the last couple of weeks that he would be able to give us a few snaps so i know he's getting close I sent out a Twitter poll earlier today asking BYU fans about their emotions following the Utah game and approaching the UCLA game and kind of tried to have them sum it up in one sentence, everything from don't talk to me to, hey, I'm feeling super optimistic and uh, encouraged about what's to come in the future. And, and the responses were kind of all over the place. If you could give a BYU fan any bit of advice about this team in year number one under a new staff of how to root and what to do, what would you say to them? First, I got to give you credit, man. I, I think you know, this is the second time you today here. You asked me for the second time about my emotions and my wife is always asking me about my emotions. <laughs> and I told her that I don't have any. I'm a cyborg when it comes to football. And uh, you're, you're getting me to, to answer these questions. So if I understand this question right, you would like me to give, down ad- deep. give advice yes. on how BYU fans can deal with their emotions. Yes. Okay. Let's go. Psychoanalysis. I'm way, under, I'm way underqualified for this, Spence. But I'm going to say um, I'm, I'm going to rely on what I know best about this team. This is a team of warriors that fight till the end. Uh, there will be no game that we will be out of this season. We have uh, a solid group of tacklers, and that's the first ingredient for any team that uh, expects to compete week in and week out. We have uh, playmakers on offense, and I think they're finding their stride. And I think we've saw in, in the at the end of the last two games some of uh, what they're what they're best capable of doing. And I think we'll probably see more of that. And uh, right now, special teams for us has been a real strength. And I think that's just the overall culture and effort at BYU, and it lends itself towards great special teams play. In my defense, I asked Ed Lamb if there was anything he was uncomfortable discussing when he sat down, and he said he's ready for anything. Well, that's just another emotional question. <laughs> We're working on getting, we're working on digging deep after uh, BYU Utah. But I know a lot of BYU fans like to hear you say that, and I'm paraphrasing here. We will not be out of any game that we play this year. Why is it that you feel so strongly about that? Well, um, you know, in my experience, in my, in my past experience, when you have uh, guys that are committed to playing defense, and it takes courage and effort and sacrifice, it takes physical sacrifice to play good defense, and we have that. And so games are going to be competitive and close. Um, we have offensive players who expect to be good and expect to score. And, uh, you know, regardless of, of whether we've reached our potential in either one of those areas is not really the point, but the fact that they'll continue to fight. We have winners. There's, uh, you know, in, in, there, in team sports at least, there, there's nobody that wins at every time. Uh, you take your, your favorite athlete, whoever that is, LeBron James or somebody in the NFL, they don't win every time. The difference between winners and losers is not – the outcome of winning and losing. It's that winners are inspired to win more when they win, and they're inspired even more when they lose to get that winning feeling back. And losers, when they win, are satisfied, and they lose focus and they lose concentration. And losers, when they lose, give up. And uh, we, haven't, we, we don't have those kind of guys in our program. We have a bunch of winners. People will never use the phrase moral victory, especially not in a BYU-Utah contest, because that, you, just, you don't do that. There's almost a code against something like that. But you do want to learn even in defeat, and you want to take some positive things away. 
So how do you how do you approach that with your team when you know they want to win, they didn't? Uh, how do you deal with the psychology of that, getting them ready to go again after such a hard-fought loss? Yeah, well, the, the great thing about it is there's just another game to play, and that's uh, that's the, the beautiful thing about Monday. Um, and and with, with so many of our guys, that's the beautiful thing about Sunday is the day after the game there's there's an opportunity to put thing, things right, in perspective. Right. So many of our guys are, are serious about their spiritual pursuits, and, and Sunday's a day to, to get things in perspective and realize that football is – Gosh darn important. And, uh, you know, the next day on Monday, we go to work at it again and and chase the victory. All right, Coach, uh, we'll take a break. Coming back with more from Coordinator's Corner, live from JCW's in Provo, Utah. Keep it here. Use the hashtag BYUCC to submit your questions for Ed Lamb, assistant head coach, special teams coordinator. We'll be back right after this. When it comes to (laughs) general. is powered by Legend Solar, Utah's premier solar provider. Now let's send it back to JCW's and the voice of the Cougars, Greg Rubel, on ESPN 960 in the new skin Cougar IMG Sports Network. Sitting in for Greg Rubel, I'm Spencer Linton here with Ed Lamb, assistant head coach for BYU football, special teams coordinator. And we are broadcasting live on ESPN 960, Facebook Live, BYU Cougars on Periscope and on Twitter. We have a lot of comments coming in. And so, Coach, we'll spend the majority of this last little uh, bit of conversation that we have here getting to some of the comments from the fans. This in from Boyd Lake. said, the offense has come under a bit of scrutiny. How are they handling their learning curve? Well, I think they're, they're handling it well. And I think that, the, to me, the, the most important thing on offense is not to panic. And uh, to understand that there, if as long as you have an opportunity to win the, the game in the fourth quarter, that, uh, that you're playing sufficient offense. And and was it sufficient enough to win? No. And and that's the clear. Uh, it's a it's a win loss analysis at the end of every game. So they're hungry. They want to prove themselves more. They need to improve. But there's no question. If we play the kind of defense and special teams in game eight that we're playing in two. Uh, we're not going to be very good on defense and special teams. We have to improve in every area, every week. Offense is no different than, than defense and every, everybody else has got to improve. Question in from Matt Corey. Coach Lamb, what are your thoughts on Kalani Satake getting flagged? His thoughts, he says, are he loved it. Yeah, yeah well, and, and that's, I think, exactly how the team felt is, um, you know, the, the, we all appreciate emotion. Coach did a great job this morning talking to the team. He apologized for the penalty. Uh, he said that it was wrong, and I think that it, it, it went what, – what unsaid was that he's passionate and emotional about their success, and uh, he's passionate and emotional about pr- uh, protecting them. And I think in the heat of the moment, um, the fact that, that that call was was controversial and there had to be a judgment made by the official, and it was a tough judgment to be made, I think our players appreciated that coach had their back. At Oh, sorry, not at, but just Nate Oman says the following. Coach, if you defend the officials that way, we can't keep blaming them for the losses. <laughs> I'm wrecking everything. <laughs> <laughs> he also asks us, what is the biggest challenge you face against the UCLA Bruins? Um, you know, I think the, the challenge always, I think, for, for me personally, the way I'm oriented and, and the way that I've coached the team, you know, I, I get, have the chance on a daily basis to address the whole team. And, and the way that I've approached the team is that, that things are about us first. And that's consistent with Coach Tataka's vision of how we're, we're running this team. And so I think for us first, we need to overcome uh, a difficult and heartbreaking loss on Saturday. And, and we need to move on 
and prepare BYU to be the best BYU that we can be against UCLA. That being said, there are always game plans and wrinkles and things that we need to do to make sure we're attacking the strengths and weaknesses of our opponent. This in from Mark Jenks. Uh, speaking of Jamal Williams, I know a lot of people are concerned about Jamal and, and what he's going to be able to do, and he was a little bit banged up uh, in the latter part of the game. What's the plan for Jamal against UCLA? You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I really don't. And, and really, if I did have details, I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm really supposed to discuss them, you know, but uh, I don't. The, the, the easy answer is I don't, I don't have those details. When you try and defend uh, Josh Rosen, is the, does the basic game plan change at all, or is this just kind of, okay, we're going to do our thing, and he's going to have to try and beat us? Yeah, exactly. We're, we, you know, the, I think the, the first inclination a lot of times of, of uh, fans is, you know, you're going against a great quarterback. And so, you know, do you, do you uh, at that point, are you afraid to play man to man? You know, do you drop into zones? Well, great quarterbacks can absolutely shred zones, especially when they know they're coming. So we have to we have to have a mixture of man to man coverage, aggressive coverage. We have to have a mixture of dropping seven and eight guys into coverage and then times where we're playing four and five guys in coverage and we have to keep it mixed up on the quarterback and we have to we have to just execute and and the challenge of playing against a great player or fighting against a great fighter or, or any sport that you can apply the challenge is not to change too much what we do but to bring our best product that we can bring to the field coordinators corner powered by legend solar broadcasting live from jcw's in provo utah a lot of fans on hand with this enjoying two dollar oreo shakes for the duration of the show i know coach lamb is looking forward to taking his back to the office very much just don't let ty detmer get a hold of that thing yeah no he's he's got a stash uh, back at the office they've got offensive staff rooms got a ton of uh, sweets and cookies and things like that uh, ben cahoon told me that he had a beautiful piece of chocolate cake on thursday before they walked into uh, your staff meeting and, right, and ty put his finger right in the middle of it and said you're still going to eat that yeah <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like time. <laughs> All Keeping right, Coach. Uh, last question for you. What kind of an atmosphere do you anticipate for the home opener on Saturday night against UCLA? Hey, you know, for me, um, that, that'll be, a, that'll be to, to put that in your uh, context, uh, that'll be emotional for me. I have not <laughs> been in, in BYU's stadium um, to, en to enjoy a home game since, you know, since the last time I was here on the coaching staff in the 2001 season. So it'll be, it's going to be really amazing and fun and special for me. And I don't, I don't have, that's the only expectation I have because I haven't, I haven't experienced it. And I don't know what kind of new things that the fans and student section are bringing in some of that stuff that I think is, is new since the time I've been here. Over under 5% that we will see tears in Ed Lamb's eyes on Saturday. Okay, you're not going to see any tears in my <laughs> eyes. I've never coughed. I've never been sick a day in my life. I'm certainly not going to be shedding a tear. Coach, great stuff. Uh, we appreciate the time. We wish you the best of luck against UCLA, and uh, congratulations on all your successes thus far with the defense. Thanks, Spencer. Coming back with more Coordinator's Corner after the break, Elisa Tuiaki is still to come. He will join us and talk more about that BYU defense, what's going into it. Only giving up 13 points to that Utah offense. The Cougars 1-1. One and one. That's part of uh, what's on the way. Stay with us. We're live from JCW's. Congratulations on that. Tuiaki, the defensive coordinator for BYU. Let's recap some of the things that we have talked about. A lot of people are wondering about the appeal process by the NCAA and BYU for the Cougars to be able to get Kainakua back for the first half. And the situation is that once that replay official 
makes that final designated call, it is final. There's nothing the NCAA can do. So Kainakua, regardless of what you think about that call, will not play against UCLA for the first half. That was determined the moment that that decision became official on Saturday night due to the replay official. Now, joining us now, I think he just sprinted in here. <laughs> you ran a 4-4. Four, four, 30. <laughs> my, even in my best days, I think it was a 5-4. <laughs> Elisa Tuiaki, BYU defensive coordinator. Coach, uh, you just exchanged uh, greetings with Ed Lamb, who has taken care of his half an hour. He said he can do a fantastic impersonation of you. <laughs> I wish we had more time for that. Can he? I'm glad he didn't. Are these, are these hidden talents of Ed Lamb? He's got a lot of talents. He's not sharing with everybody. He's a very talented man. I think he got more emotional during today's coordinator's corner than he's ever been in his entire life. So you'll have to ask him about that okay. as well. All right. Let's talk about the emotions uh, that you have right now following uh, a hard-fought, you know, and you pick the adjective, exciting, weird, ugly, fun, at times rivalry game with Utah. But what, what are your emotions now two days later? Well, it's after, after watching the film, I think all the emotions are exactly right. Um, can't really put a finger on exactly how, how we feel about it besides, you know, just – Obviously, would have loved to, to get the W for, for the kids, for the fans. Um, you know, they worked really hard for it, and I think we had opportunities, but just uh, left it out there at the end. And so, um, you know, tough, tough one to deal with, but on, on to the next one really is, is what, uh, what's going on right now. How long do you deal with a loss like that, given the crossover and the tie-ins, because you have so many relationships up there and – between the coaches and players and whatnot. So how, how tough was it for you to turn the page to UCLA? Uh, it was it was hard. It was hard. And really it was it was hard because, you know, at the end of the game I, you know, went, looked at the stats and just felt felt good about it. And I knew they poured their hearts out, you know, and they played hard. But then when I watched the film and just saw some of the, the corrections that we could have made, um, you know, good team and, and they've got a lot of good players, but I think that we we correct some of the things that, that we should have, I think that we, we would have been close to just keeping them to zero points. Um, and, but, uh, you know, they, they did a good job, and we, they capitalized on our mistakes, defensively at least. And, um, you know, you can't ask for more than five turnovers or takeaways at least, which six. I think was six, six total. One of them came on the punt return. Oh, that's true, yeah. Yep. Yep. And so, I mean, the kids played hard, but you watch film and, and uh, you know, we, we always talk about just – refining the things that we do and just uh, trying to make sure that we're playing sound and and we're close we're close to just being a, a, a lights out defense i think that we played well but uh, the expectation from us and as well as the kids is just to play lights out what are some of the things that you want to fix that you want to refine that you've seen after two games because i mean you give up 16 to arizona and really only 13 points to utah they, they get 20 but they have the pick six first play of the game you can't control that so what what is it that you want to refine from a defense that has been pretty good yeah, yeah, it's, it's and you know it's uh, I'm I'm always super critical of the D line just because I, I coached there before and and uh, Coach Galfuzzi does a great job, um, but uh, you know I think that we leave things out there and it's all really just technique and, and be, being good tactical football players you know um, what we do is uh, is uh, not as complex as other places that I've been and so I think allowing them the opportunity to be generals on the field. And, uh, you know, being a general of their position and just knowing situations and playing good tactical football and being sound and, and playing with good technique and making tackles and all that stuff. I mean, I think the, the closer you get to just refining it to perfection, 
the better better defense you'll play. And so, you know, the last drive is really probably where a lot of the bad feelings come because they ended up putting a 20 play, 21 play drive together, and we let them off the hook several times on third downs where we should have got out of it. Um, you know, just bad technique by a corner when when we should have been a little bit more pressed man. Um, you know, bad technique by D linemen that turn in, and and so the the thing that happens is one guy ends up you know freelancing a little bit, then the next guy feels like he needs to overreach his boundaries and make a play, and then all of a sudden you've got five guys trying to do the same thing, and and, and I love the attitude because they feel like they can make us right, they can make plays for us, but. You end up doing that, and you start playing outside the scheme. You've got five guys who are freelancing trying to make a play, and we get duplication on one job instead of everybody just doing their one eleventh on the field. And so it's uh, you know just just trusting each other and, and playing one eleventh football is really what we're trying to get to. Well, the defense endured an 11-minute drive and held Utah to a field goal. They opted to not go for it on fourth and one. How much did that 11-minute drive play into the decision to go for two? Because there's an idea that, well, maybe the defense is tired, so let's just end this thing now. No, I, I, don't, I don't think it had anything to do with it. Now, that's, you're going to have to ask Alani that, but, you know, as we were talking on the headset, and it was the, the, the talk before the drive even started was, hey, when we score, we're going to go for two. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. You know, I think we're all on the same page. And I was, uh, was kind of crossing my fingers hoping that they would go for it on fourth. You know, so we can try to keep it because you 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 want to get in those opportunities. You want to be you want to be challenged when the game's on the line, and uh, you know they ended up kicking it, which was whatever. That's that's just their decision. But it would have been nice to be able to see the defense respond in that moment. You know, to a to a fourth and one one foot. You know, be able to be able to stop them and and turn around and go back. But you know, the game ended up the way it did. So. It is Monday, September 12th. Elisa Tuiaki is with us live from JCW's in Provo as part of Coordinator's Corner. We've already talked with Ed Lamb. We have plenty more to come, including this, Coach. I'm going to tee you up. I, I asked Ed this. What was the weirdest thing you saw happen on the field on Saturday night? Don't answer it now. We'll, do, we'll answer that coming back after the break. Because okay. there's, a, there's a laundry list of just strange things that happened in this game. So okay. We'll come back okay. with that from – JCW's in Provo and Coordinator's Corner, powered by Legend Solar. Keep it here on ESPN 960 and with us on BYU Cougars on Periscope and Facebook. Ah, crap, I switched it back. I'm sorry. We're taking you back in time to revisit some of the best moments in BYU football history. I am Flash, making memory that makes the world mobile. Now let's get back at another great Cougar football moment. Welcome back to the Coordinator's Corner. St sitting in for Greg Rebell, I'm Spencer Linton. Greg in Columbus, Ohio, getting set to call the BYU women's soccer match tonight against 19th-ranked Ohio State, a top-20 showdown. Ladies rolling right now offensively, something that BYU football is hoping to get going as they take on UCLA this Saturday. As I mentioned, uh, Elisa Tuiaki, defensive coordinator of BYU with us here. And, Coach, I, I teed you up before we, we went to the break with uh, – the weirdest thing that you saw on Saturday night against Utah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the two back-to-back -back, uh, ejection penalties. That was weird. I mean, have you ever seen anything? I mean, there's one thing to have an ejection happen, but the next the play. very next play, yeah, yeah, that was and, and you know it's whatever that's decisions they have to make and and all that stuff. But I thought that that was that was uh that was weird and it and it and it you know we had to get freshman chris wilcox ready to go which i thought he responded well but uh that was very weird 
You were down some guys. Troy Warner did not play. Austin McChesney is ejected no. from the game. Kainakua is out. At what point do you start to kind of uh, get worried in that instance? Or were you worried at any time? You know, next guy's got to be ready to go. And uh, I, I trust Chris. I think I trust him more than he trusts himself because, you know, just the confidence thing. But, you know, I came up and, and uh, told him right before he went in, it's like there's nobody in this country who can run away from you. You're fast enough. Just trust your technique and play. And, uh, you know, the first one, the ball, ball went up in the air and he was a little bit nervous and, and got that P.I. But the next one where we got the P.I. because he was, he was on top of that route and, and did a good job covering it. So I, think, I thought that uh, in that moment of the game to put a true freshman in and for him to respond that way, I was really excited about because he's a, he's a tall, fast corner that we, I think is going to have a bright future. Kalani's reaction when Kai Nakua was ejected and that call was held up uh, was one of the more memorable things that BYU fans are talking about. And, you know, say what you will about it, it, it got a penalty, but it, it earned him in large part the hearts of BYU <laughs> Sports Nation. They thought that was that was fantastic. What was your reaction to uh, to watching your close friend kind of just go bonkers I, after that? It was just, to me, it was Kalani being Kalani. You know, he loves the kids, cares about them, he wants to get their backs and um, you know, he's he's always going to fight for them and the, the flag and Ed Lamb pulling him back and all that. So I was going to run out and try to pull him back too, but I was thinking about jumping in and, and uh, giving him some of my words too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, Ed, even kill guy, is really level-headed and, and uh, keeps us all grounded. But, uh, no, they, I, I, I thought it was really um, his character and, and him, you know, just being himself, wearing his, wearing his emotions on his sleeve. And, uh, you know, I loved it. I loved seeing him do that. A number of people have been uh, chiming in on the Facebook page. They want me to ask you about Butch Pau and his emergence in this stout BYU defense. Nine tackles against Arizona, had nine against Utah, and he's really turning some heads. He, he brings some pop. What, what do you like most about Butch Pau's game? He, he's, he's physical. He's just a ball of fire. He's not very big, you know, for, for a backer. He's not very big. Um, you know, and traditionally, I think a lot of, back, a lot of teams look for long-levered, Tall, big backers covered a lot of ground, but Butch. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna recruit shorter linebackers, they've got to be like Butch. They've got to be explosive. Just uh, I mean, and and he smiles the whole time. I think you know when he hits somebody, he gets up and he'll pick him up and smile and pat him on the butt. And uh, Butch is just like that. He's an awesome kid to coach. He's a phenomenal player. That's an interesting mentality. Hey, sorry I just destroyed you, yeah. but good effort. <laughs> Get back up and let's go do yeah. this again. <laughs> Yeah, I think what Kalani talks about um, with, uh, you know, vanquishing the foe and, and uh, doing things the right way, I think Butch exemplifies what, what, uh, what we want to do is, is to, to play hard and knock people down, but uh, do it with humility and class. You said that uh, before game number one against Arizona, you were most comfortable with where the linebackers were in your defense. Francis Bernard, Fred Warner, and the aforementioned Butch Pau. Do you still feel that way, like uh, they're, they're the anchor of the defense right now? Yeah, I, I think so. I think they're just solid players, all three of them, solid all around. Um, they're, they're very, very, very sound football players. And, you know, week one, really good. This last week, very good. You know, we ended up uh, choosing Kai Nakua as well as Francis Bernard as co-defensive players of the game because of their production and the way that they play. I mean, Kai had a really good game, and so did Francis. Um, but th those three backers are sound, and their backups, you know, we trust. And with the way that our offense huddles and the amount of rest that we get on defense, our starters play a lot because they're rested and they're ready to go. And, and it's not like 
you know, before with the offense goes three and out and burns 30 seconds, and now your backups have to be ready to play. It's it's a little bit different now. And so they get a lot of snaps, and they do a really good job. What's the biggest challenge that Josh Rosen, the UCLA quarterback, and his talented offense present to you as a BYU defense? You know, I, I think that he's uh, he's an accurate uh, passer as well as he has a strong arm. And so he's not as mobile as the last two guys that we faced. But uh, we've got to mix things up and try to confuse him with our coverages and, and uh, give him different problems with just people in his face and, uh, you know, pressure him a little bit. And if we can get him out of his comfort zone, I think we can change up the, uh, you know, mix up the timing of, of him. We've got a chance to, to play good defense as well. What did you see BYU do against Troy Williams of Utah that uh, gives you confidence that you can make Josh Rosen feel some pressure? We got after, we didn't get any sacks, which was which was uh, a downer because I think that we had, you know, we had opportunities. We let him slip out and, and pass the ball a little bit. But we did um, confuse him a little bit. He did throw up a couple of passes that he probably shouldn't have. Um, and, uh, you know, I, just scouting. I think Coach uh, Guilford and Coach Lamb do a really good job just scouting quarterbacks and seeing their tendencies and their comfort level and, and uh, playing certain zones and man, man coverages to, to uh, uh, disrupt that, the timing of the quarterback a little bit. And so, um, you know, if we can, we can do the same with this guy, then, then we'll have a shot to play good defense again. Ed Lamb gave us an idea that uh, Matt Hadley's going to step in for Kai in the first half. Uh, there was a question about Eric Takanaka I saw earlier. Will, will his role increase at all in that safety position because of the departure of Kai and Austin McChesney? Yeah, and, I, and I'm going to leave that rotation up to Ed Lamb. We trust both of them. They, they, do a both, they, they both do a really good job. Um, but uh, whoever Ed Lamb ends up starting is, is going to end up playing, and if they both end up playing, then, then uh, I think we'll be fine. We trust both of them to be out there. What's the camaraderie like between the BYU offense and the BYU defense right now? Because it feels like op opposing teams during fall camp, but now you're all on the same team. So what, what is that dynamic like in practice right now? You know, it's, uh, we're a team, you know, and, and Kalani always harps on it. We're a team. Um, one day we're going to need them. Another day they need us, and it's just the way that it is. And, and uh, you know, a lot of people, when I went to church on Sunday, were just commenting about, the offense and whatever you know what we're a team we're in it together and you know one of these days hopefully not but we end up giving up a lot of points the offense is going to respond and save us and so we got to stick together and keep the the finger pointing to a minimum if i mean we just got to get rid of that and just stick, stick together and get each other's backs especially at the time where where we need to and and keep pressing forward that's that's what family's all about we're going to take a short break here live from JCW's in Provo, Utah. It's the coordinator's corner powered by Legend Solar with Kalani. was called Kalani Satake. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> We're with Elisa Tuiaki, the defensive coordinator. Stay with us on ESPN 960 and BYU Cougars on Facebook and Periscope. What are the most... Flash flashback. We're taking you back in time to revisit some of the best moments in BYU football history. I am Flash, making memory that makes the world mobile. Now let's get back at another great Cougar football moment. Sitting in for Greg Rebell, I am Spencer Linton. It is time for the I am Flash flashback. You may recall the neutral site location between BYU and UCLA in the Las Vegas Bowl in 2007. Ethan Manu Maliuna blocking a last-second ditch field goal effort by UCLA, an NFL kicker no less, who he denied. BYU winning that game 17-16 to win a second consecutive Las Vegas Bowl championship following up a drubbing of Oregon in 2006. Coach Tuiaki is with us. Coach, I know you said you've been a BYU fan for a very long time. 
do you remember anything about that Las Vegas Bowl, or were you tuned out at that point? At that point, I think I was coaching Kearns High School, and so I was just kind of doing my deal over there. During the season, you're just kind of focused on your team, but before that. Before that? Before that. Okay. So Ethan Manumaleuna, do you know Ethan? I don't know him personally. I know the name. Yeah. How's my pronunciation of that, by the way? That's Good, really good. Am I doing okay? Yeah. I listened to I listened to you and Kalani, and now I'm <laughs> trying really hard. Yeah, your tongue's coming along. Yeah. <laughs> Eliza Tuiaki, defensive coordinator, with us on Coordinator's Corner. We're going to get to some fan comments now on the Facebook page. Again, we invite all of you to join us on BYU Cougars. Send in your thoughts, uh, your tweets using the hashtag BYUCC as well. Uh, this from Alyssa Downing. What was the general emotion heading back home Saturday? night you know it was really just marinating a little bit you know you know that you lost the game but you want to you don't want to the I, I didn't want to go home and take it out on my wife or my kids right it's not their fault <laughs> and so I wanted to I wanted to just let it marinate and just make sure that I was um you know acting right and just uh um, putting football aside and just making sure that I was being a good human being a good father good husband and uh, just just let it sit and, and uh, waited until later on to watch the film before I dissected it. But Is there a punching bag somewhere in the coach's office as a former MMA fighter in your basement or something? <laughs> beat up on my sons. I, so my sons do <laughs> MMA. My sons do MMA, okay. and I want to just beat up on them, get them tougher. <laughs> Good way to take out yeah. some frustrations of a loss. Okay, this uh, in from... Christopher Isaacson, will Troy Warner be good against UCLA? What do you expect from him? That's day-to-day uh, -day still, and we'll, we'll see if he's ready or not. But uh, we've got a plan whether he is ready or, or whether uh, somebody else has got to step in. And, you know, Diane and, and Chris Wilcox and, and uh, Isaiah Armstrong will have to step in if he's not ready. But we've got a plan either way. Scott Morey asks, what can be done to better capitalize on turnovers? Um. A pick six, maybe we got a score. <laughs> maybe that's the better answer. You know, the offense will do their deal. You know, we'll, we'll get the takeaways and, and try to score, obviously, when we do. But that uh, we'll continue to plug away as a team and, and capitalize on those. Okay, moving on with comments on Facebook. Again, keep those coming in. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of people are optimistic. I'm just seeing a lot of optimism, more so, more so than I was expecting following a, a loss to Utah. Uh, what do you attribute that to? I think there's a lot of bright bright spots when you look at the game. Um, you know, the, I thought that the kids played hard, and you can see it. Um, you can see the, the, the way that they played and the passion that they had, the passion that, you know, your head coach has. There's a lot of good things to be excited about, and you know, we let that one slip out of our hands, but but we had opportunities. And so, uh, you know, it's not completely bad, even though we didn't win the game. There's, there's a lot of things to, to pull from as far as just, uh, you know, us headed in the right direction. Okay, I'm going to try on this uh, next name pronunciation. Correct me if I'm wrong. Filiku Pututau Makaafi. How did I? How did I do? Okay, I got the, I got the set. The Pututau Makaafi. Uh huh. Okay, I didn't I didn't okay, hear the first see, one. See, now you're just showing off. Okay. <laughs> he brings up this point. First Tongan defensive coordinator against at BYU versus the first Samoan offensive coordinator at UCLA. Were you aware of that? I didn't. I, I wasn't. I didn't. Yeah, I speak English. I, no, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> These are intriguing matchups. Do you how many? How much do you know about UCLA? I mean, I know you've had experience coaching against them. 
how much do you know about them, and how has that benefited you as you game plan now at BYU for UCLA? They, they always have really good personnel. You know, the, every single time that we played UCLA, they're right, one they, minute. They have, the, you know, they do a good job recruiting. So they've got big, tall, fast kids, and so uh, you know, it's it's just another game for us. There's really no face on your opponent, right? If you got to hit somebody, it doesn't matter what he looks like. You got to go hit him, and so. That, that's that's what we're preaching to our kids. The the job description doesn't change, no matter who's who's across the ball from us, and we'll just we'll get after it, no matter who it is. Okay, coach, you've got about 10 seconds left here. I want you to give your plea to BYU fans to show up on Saturday night. What are you saying to pump seconds. everybody up? I don't have to say anything. They're going to show up. Done. Done. Uh, I wish you could see the look on his face right now. <laughs> no, they will show up, Spencer. <laughs> Coach, thanks for the Morning. time. We wish you the best Thank of luck you. against Appreciate UCLA. It. Appreciate having you. That takes care of Coordinator's Corner in week number three. BYU 1-1. One and one. They will host the UCLA Bruins Saturday night, 8.15 ESPN2. You can listen to that call with Greg Rebell on BYU Radio as well Five as seconds. ESPN 960. Okay, we'll see you next week for Coordinator's Corner from JCW's. This is KOVO Provo.